you're listening to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and strengthened as you listen to this week's message. So Chris O'Reilly speaking today. Chris O'Reilly speaking this morning. And as I was praying about Chris O'Reilly, all I kept seeing, like if there was a picture in the dictionary of a lover of Jesus, I think Chris O'Reilly's picture would be right there. So Chris O'Reilly, a lover of Jesus. That, that's all I really need to say, Chris, for a, great, for, for a great intro. But she's a wonderful mom. She's raised six children and uh, five boys. She's been a faithful wife. You know, she is married to Dick. No, that's not just... <laughs> Dick, Dick, I had to take a little shot there. Only kidding. But... <laughs> And, you know, she's a nurse by trade. She's a nurse in her vocation. And as I was praying for it, Chris O'Reilly really loves, I think the thing that that impresses me that I'm always impacted by is she loves loving people. And she loves releasing, some of the language we use these days is she loves releasing the kingdom that's within her or Jesus that's within her or she loves being the hands and feet of Jesus to a broken people, to a wounded people, to outcast people, and then real big I wrote, really to all people. She loves that people would come to know the Father's love. She, she, she reeks, she leaks with it. She, she, well, when I was going to say reeks, reeks means she is, she is a dispenser. She's a sweet aroma of Christ. And she loves, yeah, but reeks means aroma. <clears throat> but one of her passions is the identity of us as believers to know that we're secure in our identity, that we've been restored to our true identity as sons and daughters. And um, we're in for a treat because Chris is a treat. So again, this heart of welcoming and embracing and honoring the body of Christ, and let's give Chris O'Reilly a warm, big New Hope welcome, as if we'd never seen her before. Give her a big hand. A lover of Jesus. I love you. God bless you. Be free. Be you. God just really wants to highlight you, Ralph, and say that... When you honor one member of the body of Christ and you discern them as who they are in Christ and not by familiarity on the outside, heaven is attracted to that. Heaven is attracted when the body of Christ discerns itself correctly. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, We now, therefore, no longer view each other or know each other after the flesh, after the natural, after the habits of of years. But we, we once even knew Christ that way. What, what is that about? We once knew him that way, but no longer. So thank you for honoring me because heaven's attracted to that and there's a release. Can't you feel it? A release over us today. And God really wants to wash us off and uncover and remind us who we are. And um, one of the scriptures we're going to be using... Um, that you guys can get ready to put up in a few minutes is Ephesians 1, 17. 
But first, God wants to sing over you. <laughs> Let me call you sweetheart. I'm in love with you. Let me hear you whisper that you love me too. Keep the love light glowing in your eyes so true. Let me call you sweetheart. Everyone, I'm in love with you. Amen. You are so beautiful, so beautiful to me. You are so beautiful, he's singing this to you, so beautiful to me. Can't you see, you're everything I'd hoped for, you're everything I need. The Spirit of God says, you are so beautiful to me. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It can be quite an anointing on secular music. God likes all kinds of music. You know, he thinks we're beautiful and he's got his hopes staked on us. I declare right from the get-go that there's going to be a new hearing, an opening of ears today, that the word new hope, our name, yeah. he's going to circumcise our ears and circumcise our hearts, and we're going to hear it afresh. We're going to have wisdom and revelation about what that means. And the reason I know that, while I was preparing for this, he reminded me, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, something really crucial happened. When Jesus sliced off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Remember what happened? Peter. Jesus. No, okay. Oh. Peter. I'll get it. Peter sliced off the ear of the servant of the high priest. I just can't stand still. Uh, and, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, lovely assistant. <laughs> That was the effort of human zeal, fleshly effort, and religious excitement. And that was the last thing that Jesus did before he went to the cross was to put that ear back on. And I said, oh, God, what was that about? And he said, well, a couple things. I was restoring the ear of Israel to be able to hear in spirit and truth down in the ages to come who I really wanted to be for them. But since we are truly grafted in, I want to declare today that he's restoring our hearing yeah. to hear in a new way, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In Ephesians 1.17, it says, I pray, yeah. you guys can bring this up, yeah. that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, yeah. our Papa, 
may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. His hope is in us, new hope. It doesn't depend on us. The hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, far above our old identities. I see old identities today sloughing off like old skin. I see people with their eyes open stepping into who God says they are. And part of who he says we are is his righteousness. Now to me, righteousness has always been kind of a stuffy old religious word that I never understood. And I would hear God say things like, in the word, you shall be holy as I am holy. And I'm like, whoa, that sounds kind of far away. But lately... My ears have been opened, and the command, although it's still a command, has been fulfilled by an adjective and a declaration, because when people love him, he comes to them and makes his home inside. So now I hear, you shall be holy as I am holy. You shall be holy as I am holy. You shall be holy as I am holy. And we carry that around in us with confidence. And um, this little phrase, confidence in motion, began to be put into my life about 15 months ago when I bought a red Subaru Forester. And I saw Doris's red Subaru Forester out here today and I was like, yes! Now, Subaru, on their little insignia, has these little stars. The word Subaru is Japanese for Pleiades, which are six, and Dick says sometimes seven, depending on the description, stars in the heavens. And I was actually over at the Daniels house the day that my mechanic called me and told me that my silver Subaru had died, the head gasket. And after a brief time of grieving, the Lord... (laughs) enabled us to purchase a red Subaru, which was a bigger vehicle. And as I was, I had dreams about it, which I won't go into now, but it signified a lot of times cars, God can speak to you through anything, but the vehicle that you're driving can be symbolic of a new phase of life, of a new mantle coming on. You can use the word ministry, which really just means service, but new expression of God in a new season. And so... um, It was right around that time that he was showing me who I was, which I'm going to be sharing because that's what he's going to be doing with you all today. Showing me who I was and that the kingdom of God is inside of me and that I do carry his glory. I'm covered with it. When I walk into my um, workplace and I step in there, I'm very aware that the kingdom of God has just showed up. It's already there because there's other believers there, but I'm very aware that I bring something that affects the atmosphere. And that's what I want to remind you all of today. But the the logo of Subaru was confidence in motion. (laughs) Confidence in motion.
There's a confidence that he wants us to have. He wants us to be fully persuaded of who we are in him. So that we don't even have to take the time to prove it in other ways. When I was preparing for this and being in his presence and writing down scriptures and starting to feel on days that, oh my gosh, I don't have enough scriptures. Have I studied enough? Have I? He just arrested me. And he said, Chris, study to show thyself approved has a different meaning than you ever thought. He says, I want you to go look into your journal. Look at the things that you and I have written about and talked about. And he says, you've studied me, daughter. You've studied me and you continue to be preoccupied with me and I approve of you. So he says to you today, be preoccupied with me, study me. I approve of you already. Do it out of my approval. Don't struggle for it. But since I want to appear responsible, I do have a list of scriptures. <laughs> what God is to us, we are to others. Do you know that? When he comes into your life and he, be, he becomes to you, Graham Cook is famous for saying God doesn't give us things. There's something he wants to be to us in this season of our life that he's not been able to be in other seasons. He doesn't just give us peace and walk away. He doesn't give me righteousness and walk away. He is inside of me being those things for me. So my weakness is no excuse. The weaker I am, the more I revel in his power in me. He says, I'm really good at strengthening myself in you. And that's part of what our identity is. I, uh, I even, I really was impressed. I went to the Jewish Encyclopedia <laughs> online. I didn't know there was such a thing. To just look at some things about righteousness. And it, it says that it's synonymous with moral, morality. And it talks about synonyms being just, right, honest, straight, genuine, sincere, true. A product of moral action and some form of divine activity. <laughs> Confidence in motion, divine activity, moral action. I mean, it's much higher than that. And then it talks about the righteous, this is in the Jewish encyclopedia, are regarded as being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Shekinah rests upon them. So something about righteousness and glory we are meant to carry. In fact, before sin entered into the world, the Shekinah was permanently dwelling on the earth. Do you know that we were meant to share his glory? Not to steal it from him. I don't know that. I don't mean that. But he said when Jesus was speaking in John 14, 15, 16, 17, all those amazing prayers of impartation and revelation, Father, show yourself, glorify your son, but I want them to be able to come and be with me where I am so they may have your glory also. And there's tons and tons of... Um, of scriptures about that. In the Garden of Eden, when we were created, we were covered. They were naked and not ashamed. They were covered with an awareness of God, of looking outward. It was, there was any such thing as depression or self-awareness or self-consciousness or fear or distraction. Their soul was intact. Now, they needed to grow and mature, but they were intact as who God meant them to be. And that's God's heart for us today, is to restore that covering of glory so that we never feel naked 
in a sense. We're not out there on our own. All of heaven backs you up when you step into a situation. All of heaven. And what he is to us, we are in the world. Just like he says to Moses, you shall be as God to the people. I thought that was blasphemous the first time I heard that at work. I was sharing with some people and helping them to learn some labor support so they could support the person that was in labor. And then I left the room and I, I watched them do it, the thing that I had taught them. And he, say, he whispered in my ear, I've made you as God to the people. Well, what does that mean? What do you think that means? I'll wait for a few seconds. <laughs> what does it mean that he makes us as God to the people? His representatives... In a legal sense, yes, but in an experiential sense, the world's been lied to about who he is. Right. There's this religious picture. They don't know who he is. Right. You know, I, I, um, you walk into situations and they don't know the goodness and the kindness of God. I was at Hess gas station one day, and I'm like saying, Lord, show me your heart for people that I encounter during the day. I give you permission to do that. And there was a woman over, and she was picking up trash and stuff off the ground with those little poker things. And I sat there doing my gas <laughs> in my car in my little red Subaru and looked over at her and all of a sudden I felt the compassion of Christ. And I could see, I just could hear his heart for her. She thinks that her job is really insignificant. She feels unnoticed, passed over, doesn't feel very important. So I want you to go over and tell her that I've noticed her. Okay. So I walk over, and she sees me coming, and looks up and says, is there a problem? I said, no, there's no problem. You're going to think this is weird, a stranger walking up to you, but I just want you to know that you think that your job is insignificant, and you think that nobody notices, but God notices. He says, you've caught his eye, and he really wants you just to know that he loves you, and he thinks you're amazing. So as you finish working today, just know that. And she just went, thank you. Okay. Her whole countenance changed. We have the power to carry the kingdom. Did I lead her in a prayer of salvation? No. But she had an encounter with the righteousness of God. And those that lead others to righteousness will shine like the stars in the heavens. The Subaru stars. My red car represents a red star in the heavens. This is more of the revelation he showed me. There's all different degrees of glory, the scripture says. Red stars are like mother stars. They're burning out. They're dying. They're giving up their life into supernovas, which will produce new stars. Guess where I learned this from? <laughs> so, just... Just a word of encouragement to those of us that feel like we're in the 11th hour, those of us that have had the dreams and now the young men are having the vision. Maybe that's the other way around. But the two things will exist side by side yeah. because God is raising up a corporate people who have dreams and visions. And those of us that are red stars, these are our best days. Yeah. Our best days. Wow, yeah. He's fulfilling. This is that that he talked about the best days, okay? Amen. So that's awesome. It pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. I'm just going to whip through these. You, you don't have to put these up. I am in Christ who became for me wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Yeah. 
I want to go to Isaiah 54. And you can put that up. That would be awesome. Isaiah 54 has been a life scripture for me. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to pause for a drink. George Carlin used to say there were three parts to a drink. A sip. The swallow. And the... Ah. Isaiah 54. There's so much in this. I'm going to look at two different versions of it. New King James and Message, just for a part of it. When I came to Christ, all my gates on the outside of my inner city were broken down. I struggled a lot with depression, with fear, with panic, with just stuff that got in there from life. It marred me beyond recognition of who I really was. I wasn't who he meant me to be. But the scripture says, and I believe it's in Isaiah 55 after this, we don't have to go there, but that Jesus was marred beyond recognition. No one wanted to look on him. He became ugly. He was marred beyond recognition. And I said, Father, why did that have to happen? And he showed me, through listening to another amazing person, the reason that Jesus was marred beyond recognition is because sin had marred me, marred us beyond recognition so that we were just a shadow of who we used to be. And we're thinking that that's normal life. It's normal to be fearful. It's normal to be depressed. It's normal to have panic attacks. It's normal to want to be liked and to feel rejected and all those things. That's not normal at all. And he made provision before the foundation of the world to restore the normal Christian life to us and that's what he's doing here today. There's impartation going on today. Because of the activity of righteousness and of his glory resting on this place, let yourself be open to him healing parts of your soul realm that he brings to mind. Particularly mental and soul issues and emotional issues, I have a strong sense that he is brooding over this people to uproot lies that you've believed about yourself and to replace it with the truth that he declares. That he's chosen you since before the foundation of the world, and right now he's in the process of saving to the uttermost. He has saved us, he is saving us, and he will yet save us. And there's a much bigger salvation than we ever, ever knew. Isaiah 54, 11. Oh, you afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted. Now he's going to tell you who you really are. Behold, I will lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles, your high places of rubies and all your walls of precious stones. He spoke this to me first in Gordon Hall on the campus at SUNY Brockport on a night when I was very fearful. And all your children shall be taught of the Lord. 
and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness, ooh, there it is, righteousness, you shall be established. Not just a taste of it. You shall be rooted. It shall be who you are, your DNA. In righteousness, you shall be established. There it is again, an adjective. You shall be established in righteousness. You shall be far from oppression. Reach out and grab onto this today. If, if it's God will do it again, okay? For you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall assemble. But whoever assembles will not be because of me, and they will fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire and brings forth an instrument for his work. In other words, I created the blacksmith, so I know ahead of time all the tools and all the weapons that he's going to make. There's nothing that escapes my eye. Who do you think gave him the idea to make all the weapons and tools that, that he makes? I did. So I know firsthand what he's got in that arsenal that he's making. And I have created the spoiler to destroy, so I know where that's coming from too. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, and the Holy Spirit said that includes your own to me, even when you rise up against yourself in judgment, you shall condemn. The Holy Spirit will rise up in you, the truth of who you are. God desires truth in the inward parts, and he will make me to know wisdom in the inner parts of who I am. And part of that is righteousness and glory. You shall condemn because this is your heritage, servants of the Lord, and, he says it one more time, your righteousness is from me. Yeah. Now, in the message version, this is really crucial because it really opens up the meaning of verse 17. I created the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes weapons to kill. I know what weapons he's making. And I also created the destroyer. But no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. It's not just that it won't prosper. It's never even been made. The enemy works opposite to how faith works. Faith is the substance of things, the evidence of things not seen, but there's substance to them, okay? But the enemy, for he puts up a mirage, something that looks like it's there, false evidence appearing real, but there's no substance to it. And so we can just cut him off at the knees and then slice his head off. Thank you, yeah. Paul Daniels. <laughs> That's who we are. Hallelujah. And any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. Yeah. This is what God's servants can expect. And I'll see to it. He decrees that everything works out for the best. Hallelujah. So when you step into a situation, the legalities have been done. You are there just to execute what's already been done. Jesus, when he was on the cross, looked down through time's passageways 
And it says he saw fulfillment for the travail of his soul. That's in Isaiah 53. He looked down and he saw us as the truth of who we are in him. His heart, New Hope, has always been for a people who would be restored the way that he designed us to be and to know him in spirit and truth. And then when we know who we are, we carry that with us and it leaks out everywhere so no one is safe. What he's been to me, he's going to be through me. I have authority. When you're delivered from something, you could smell it a mile away. And you have authority over it, and he brings you into a place where you can decree it and declare it. It's in this earth, my earth, as it is in heaven first. And then once it's there, I become the word of God. I become what he's doing. I become what he's saying. His love in me, I become his love. When I know his love, it casts out all fear. I become his love. And love never, ever fails. Ever. So even if you pray for someone, for healing or for an encounter, and you don't see anything with your eye, you've given that person an encounter with the love of God. And if you watch the latest Subaru commercials, it says, love, confidence in motion. I was like, whoa, God, you're so cool talking to me through my car. Yeah. It's awesome. Woo. All right. In John 14, Jesus talks about, and you can put John 14, 1 through 6 up. Let not your heart be troubled. You ever hear Sean Hannity say that on TV? Yeah. <laughs> Neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, also believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where you go, where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am. I'm not going to just give you the way. I'm not going to just show you the way. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you again. I am your way. Yeah. I am the truth about who you are. I am the life that you carry inside of you and reproduce and nobody can come to Papa but by me. But when you love me, Papa and me will come to you, and we will reveal ourselves to you, and we will show you the deep hidden meaning of our covenant we've made with you, and you will know who you are by knowing who we are. Okay? Now, this place that he's going to, I used to think it meant heaven. I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house or many mansions. Mansion is another word for dwelling place. But Jesus talked about coming back, that the world wouldn't see him, but that we would see him, that the Holy Spirit would come and tell us and remind us, uncover the secrets that he'd left, because we couldn't bear to hear or understand everything that he said. But the Holy Spirit, the one that's been inside of me, he's going to come. He's been with you, but he's going to be in you. 
and I declare a deeper encounter with the Holy Spirit over yeah. this body, that yeah. you're going to go to the roots yeah. of who you are and know your identity in Christ. He says, I'm calling it out of the ground. I'm calling it out of the ground in this day. This is the time. This is your season. This is the time that I have chosen to reveal a greater essence of your destiny in me corporately. It's individually, but it's corporately. He has a corporate call on this place. Some of it's been sidelined. He says nothing's been wasted, though, and I'm bringing it all into alignment. And I'm bringing others that have been quarried from other places, and I'm going to assemble my body and spirit and truth. And you're going to apprehend that for which I apprehended you, including knowing who you are and carrying my glory and what that looks like out there in situations. So I don't call you servants any longer. I call you friends. This is another thing he showed me recently. I used to quote the scripture in Isaiah 55. And you can go there. Oh, before I do that, the place that Jesus has prepared for us is here and now. It's a dwelling place. It's the secret place of the Most High. It's a place that we can go and have unlimited access and carry it around with us. Grace has told me at times it's what I live out of. It's home. Home is in here. I carry home with me. And um, that's what he meant. There's um, a whole bigger understanding of that place than what we know. Isaiah 55, 8 through 12, he talks about his ways and our ways. But the beginning of it is different than what I ever thought because he's crying out saying, Ho! Everyone who thirsts comes to the water. And they hadn't been coming to the water. They were following wickedness. They weren't in relationship with him, and it was grieving his heart. And he was saying, seek the Lord. Seek me while I may be found. Call upon me while I'm near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and I will have mercy on you and pardon you. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my ways higher above the heavens and my thoughts above your thoughts. And we've taken that scripture and said, well, his ways are not our ways. In John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Everything the Father has, I will come and show you. I will give you my heart. He wants our ways to be his ways. It's not, that's not normal and regular for God's ways to not be our ways. He's describing a people who are, whose hearts are far from him. That is not who we are. It's possible to know his ways, to have his heart, and to walk in his purposes, and to leak it out everywhere. That is the truth of who we are. He says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. A servant doesn't know the ways of his master, my friends do. You've got it inside of me, new hope, that's who you are. Okay, so we have a response to make to him today.
And I have another song. I have a few other things coming up. <laughs> but um, he says that, I have to say this scripture because it was on the bulletin. <laughs> Maybe somebody can read it out loud for me. I don't have to. The effects of righteousness. Righteousness is a verb. It has effects. It works in us. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> it, it has effects. It causes stability, yeah. quietness, yeah. peaceful habitations to be in us. And it's in Isaiah 32. And if you look in the, the, the verses before where that is, it talks about wasteland and cities broken down until the spirit is poured out from on high. Those are our wastelands and our cities broken down. But when the spirit is poured out on high, the work of righteousness, yeah. I have to read it. Then I have something good for you. I mean, this is all awesome. God is so amazing. And he thinks you're all amazing. And he's not mad at you either. Did you know that? Do you know he took all his wrath out on Jesus? Really, everything that Jesus was on the cross is opposite for us? You know that? When he was felt forsaken, that was so we'd never have to be forsaken. Did you know that when all his bones were out of joint, it says, that means the bones in the body of Christ, the, all parts of us, our joints, never have to be out of joint. We can rightly discern each other. Isn't that cool? There's so much to it. But anyway, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation in secure dwellings and quiet resting places. And that's what we carry with us. Yeah to the hospital, to Roberts Wesleyan, to Hess Gas Station, to wherever we work, the, the city school district. <laughs> Anywhere. I have so many stories that I could tell of things that used to follow me days later or overnight, and now they happen right when I lay my hand on and pray. Babies that are upside down coming down breach right under my hand. It happened. It happened right then. It happened right then. It's, so God's repositioning us. It doesn't always feel really good when he does that, but he's repositioning us to here. So you have a choice today to let this be just another nice message or to have an ear that hears. So I'd like you to stand. And anybody that as the Lord speaks to you through this, wants to come up to the front. There's some other things that are going to happen um, after I get done doing this. We're not quite finished, but we will be soon. The songs today, we're talking about, Jesus, you have won me. I'll walk upon salvation. All of those things. So we can be his child with his DNA, with his righteousness. I am your child, wherever you go, 
you take me to whatever I know I know from you whatever I do you taught me to do I am your child and I am your chance whatever will come will come through me tomorrow is won by winning me whatever I am you taught me to be I am your hope I am your chance I am your child whatever I am you taught me to be I am your hope I am your chance I am your child father we receive identity in you we receive your righteousness we thank you father that you're displacing and uprooting all the other things that are not who we are hallelujah and just to really nail it down i have something that we're going to play for you over the sound system and i want you to open up your hearts and come on up for prayer and by stepping up to the front state and declare, I agree with what you've said this day, Lord, and I want what you have for me. You guys can start that. Blessed are the feet, the feet of those who bring said to us for years about who we are and they always make us look inward be self-conscious so that we're not thinking of him or looking at him so he's saying right now as you stand before me with your eyes closed see yourself in those rags they're sticking to your skin they're old they're smelly you don't like them I'm asking you to put your arms out and just let them fall off of you before me and in your heart you might be saying but Lord if I let these things fall off then I'm gonna be naked I'll have nothing on it 
least I know who I was when I had these on. God, what are you going to do? I can't stand to be unclothed. Just take them off. I'll take them off of you. Just hold out your arms and say yes to me, yes to me, yes to me, yes to me, yes to me. Oh, can you see them coming off? It hurts a little bit, but it's gonna get better. I'm smiling on you, I'm smiling on you. You're naked and you're not ashamed because I'm covering you with something white and clean. Oh, it's a wedding garment. Can you see the wedding garment that the angels are putting on you? This is for individuals, but it's also a corporate word for new hope today. at how you look. This is what righteousness feels like. This is what glory is beginning to feel like. You look like me. Oh, it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. Oh, it's a perfect fit. Hallelujah. We agree and we thank you, Lord. We believe what you say about us. Let it be done in our earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Let it be.